So the defensive security uh, uh, marketing team did some focus groups and found that the sound of dogs puking are, are, are far more popular than our normal topics. I think we should uh, consider shifting the format then. Uh, yeah, clearly, clearly that is the, f- the way of the future. Today is July 26th, 2015, and this is episode 125 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Hungry. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and so we'll do, we'll do a very quick show. Stuff right. happened, and people got hacked. Thanks. Good night. Uh, good night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. It's... Yeah, it's Sunday. Got to go back to work tomorrow. Glad that you didn't uh, die in, in your your harrowing, <laughs> your harrowing brush with aviation death yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It was. Uh, I had I had the shakes for for days. Well, I can't say that. It's only been a day. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No, it's it did very minor. I just had a. I was I was doing a little flying yesterday, and it seems like the alternator on the plane died. So. You get indicators and tells you, hey, you're on battery power. So before you lose the electrical, you just land. Go land. Hmm. You yeah. didn't deploy the parachute or anything? Uh, well, I, I don't have one on my plane, but I could. No airbags? I could throw one out the window. That'd be kind of like deploying one. Okay. No, I just, I just turned around and landed was kind of, you know, and the important thing is you got to notice that thing. You know, you got to notice the flashing light telling you, hey, something's wrong and, and actually diagnose what's wrong before, you know, you run out of power. But, you know, typically you get like 30 minutes on a on a well-serviced, nominally performing battery. Which but, probably correlates well to a plane that, that's alternator went out, right? <laughs> I, I don't know for sure that the alternator went out, actually. I, I just got, I had all the indications that I was no longer generating any power uh, uh, for the battery or the electrical system, and I was purely on battery power. So um, I actually need to follow back up with where I rent the plane from and see, you know, I noticed that it's down for maintenance for two days, which tells me it probably wasn't just like the alternator belt or something, that something significant seemed to have happened. But So you broke their plane is what you're saying? <sighs> well, somebody has to. All right, so... Better me than like a 20-hour student. True. That's true. Anyhow. Anyhow. So uh, as usual, the thoughts and opinions we express on this podcast are ours and do not represent those of our respective employers. So uh, so jumping into our stories, and quite a week it was, uh, you know, right after we released our podcast, two big things happened. Number one, of course, was uh, another zero day came out of... The hacking team breach, that that was the Microsoft uh, Adobe core fonts, I believe it was. Not just Adobe. It was like... No, it was a, I know, it was Windows. It was a Windows... Uh, yeah, and and yeah, it seemed to affect every version of Windows since, yeah. you know, NT. But it, was a, but it was with a component called Adobe core fonts, I think. Right. Anyway. And first one that came out that affects Windows 2003 that was not patched. 
That's right. So oh, if you got some yes. 2003 out there, ooh, and it's a it's a pretty pretty interesting one, you know. Yeah. Um, don't be browsing. To go. Don't be browsing the internet from your servers, people. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, uh, the other big news for those who woke up uh, Monday morning was the big news about Ashley Madison. So, did you have any uncomfortable conversations with your wife? Well, I always do, but not about this. <laughs> uh, so, so yes, the story here is that uh, Ashley Madison, whose slogan is "Life Short, Have an Affair," uh, well, they got hacked. Apparently, they got hacked, and there's a lot of swirling confusion around here because uh, apparently they have released uh, what. Are just what's described by Mr. Krebs in his story here as large caches of stolen data. Now, I've not actually seen or heard from anybody who's actually seen those large caches, but uh, I do trust Brian to uh, to actually have seen them. But um, I, you know, up until up until recently, I'm I've been questioning if, if this is a. Um, you know what, what, what the heritage or what the lineage of this this particular story is? But apparently, uh, what happened was someone breached their system, stole all their data, including financial information and uh, account information, and um, and then delivered a ransom note. And and uh, it was an interesting ransom. It wasn't. They weren't asking for money. They were asking for their Ashley Madison and. Uh, their other site, the established men, to be taken offline. And uh, wait, let me ask you: Is FarmersOnly.com at risk? No, no, we're good there. Ooh, thank God. I know. <sighs> Carry on. Yep, I, I know. I know. I was worried too. Those, those, those are epic commercials, by the way. But uh, anyhow, apparently their beef is. And of all the things to have a beef about with this site, you know, uh, apparently their beef is that Ashley Madison or, or their parent company accepted uh, or charged nineteen dollars for people who had an account to erase to completely erase all traces of their account. But apparently, they didn't actually do that, uh, and and so the the this hack and the data theft and the threat to release the data was in protest of the data not actually being deleted. So they were trying to protect those people who paid to have their data removed by publishing the data that they thought they had paid to remove. So what were they doing instead? Just not deleting it? Apparently that, yeah, I guess it's, there's really not a very clear um, explanation of that, but apparently they retained enough data to completely reconstruct their accounts, including things like fetishes and uh, real names and addresses and things like that. Fascinating. So I have heard speculation. So first off, as far as I know, we don't know anything about how this hack really went down yet, Correct. So we can't really draw any sort of. No, although the uh, the company seems to be making indications, public indications that they they strongly believe it was an insider, or former insider. Right, and that was actually one thing I was going to comment on is that uh, 
feels like a disgruntled employee, or, or at least there was some speculation around that, uh, which would make some sense. Uh, you know that that given the very personal nature it appears of this attack, it, it fits the narrative. However, again, we have no confirmation of that. Yeah, and you know what? I will tell you the thing that really I found interesting in this whole thing, other than of course. All of these breaches are very interesting in looking at what we can learn. Is the InfoSec community's reaction to this thing? You know, it was almost like they we collectively lost sight of the fact that lots of people lost their personal data, and and we 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 let our feelings about you know morality get in the way here. And you know, here here's the deal, right? Who knows? the the story behind each one of those things, right? Right. I mean, there could be there could be uh, you know, couples in open relationships, there could be people who had their identity stolen and used to register, you know, sure. there's all sorts of permutations and I think just to like unilaterally look at your nose look down your nose at these people that's really in bad taste given uh given that their you know, their lives apparently or potentially are, have been turned upside down. Well, it's a, a story that I thought was ready-made for the media and has actually not gotten as much coverage as I thought. But you've got hacking, you've got sex, you've got affairs. You know, I figured it would be pretty juicy. But they've done a good job of sort of not letting this become too, you know, I guess other bigger stuff's going on. But a couple other things I thought were interesting is, uh, one, one, I agree with you, right? You know, there's some pretty big implications here, though I do want to talk about that for a second. The other quick little factoid I read, according to Time, is that 20%, a full 20% of the population of Ottawa, Canada, is registered <laughs> on Ashley Madison. Now, that includes children, seniors, everybody. Wow. So... So there's been a, there has been subsequent to this there's been a lot of you know quote analysis and you know the purported number of stolen records was 37 million and there has been a lot of subsequent discussion that it's actually not 37 million members and they actually had probably um I think they I want to say their claimed number of people who had information stolen was 13 million there was an assertion somewhere that the difference between those two numbers is fake accounts that were so, that were set up in order to make the service look more attractive and busy than it really is. So I and I I don't know how that plays into like the twenty percent of the population of Ottawa, but I mean, look, even thirteen million people—that's a lot of that's a lot of people. It is. It's interesting. You know, so everybody's kind of being snarky about this, but, you know, I thought of a couple things. First off, let's say, for the sake of discussion, you were on Ashley Madison, and I'm not saying you were, I'm saying for the sake of discussion, and you were a key executive at a company. The chances, you know, this, this information getting blown out there in the world maybe isn't as bad as you think at first, because... How many people are actually going to grab this information, search it, and find things? Certainly, some folks will. Intelligence agencies, probably background check folks, uh, very curious folks. But I would say less than 1% of the population would probably go look at this data. And certainly, 
you know, if you get, you, it's risky to grab this data. You don't know what, what's in there. You don't know how it's set up. And certainly, you know, let's say it's anywhere from 13 million records, 37 million records. It's not easy to parse and search this data. And if somebody sets up a website, hey, come see if so-and-so is on Ash Madison, you got to trust that. So I, I think it's actually likely that the vast majority of people who are on Ashley Madison, unless they're famous or well-known, are probably not going to get outed automatically. But think of the implications for blackmail. Think of the implications for putting pressure on people. If you had that in mind and wanted to dig into that and find out who was out there. Yeah, and that, that by the way, is uh, is something I had tweeted out, um, I think, that morning, is you know, envision, uh, let's say, a systems administrator of a company, you know, being or having an account there. And I would imagine there are opportunities for extortion, uh, probably plenty of opportunities for extortion, you know, by, by looking and trying to link up with uh, LinkedIn accounts and finding where people work and you know, certainly not everybody would would bite on it. I did read another article about some law firms and other private investigator type companies who are setting up shop uh, for for spouses to uh, see if their um, husband or wife uh, appeared in the dump when and if it becomes available, and then they also sell uh, uh, early warning. To people who were in there and also sell a service to see, where you can subscribe to see if your spouse is searching. So, yeah, I mean, lot. this is like a big time, big time opportunity for, for many, many comers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there was also some some uh, other analysis that basically said the terms of service of Ashley Madison were just horrible. Apparently, uh, you know, they they basically s- kind of explicitly say that they're not doing a whole lot to protect your data, and they, <laughs> they're in fact allowed to provide it to third parties. So, um, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see w- what an organization like the FTC does. Because you know the FTC has been pretty activist. Because I would imagine now maybe there's some people who will end up uh, getting divorced about you know from this, and and so that they may uh, go public in a big way. But you got to think that the average person who is using the site on the down low and actually having an affair they don't want their spouse to know about is not going to go sue Ashley Madison because they lost their data, right? It'll be interesting. It's, you know, obviously there's some voyeurism aspect of this here, and we don't know a lot about the hack or how it happened and, you know, what we can learn from it, but hopefully some more information will come out. Yeah. But uh, I think think what this is telling folks, hopefully, is that it's really, really difficult to trust that your data is secure. Yes. So... And and also... The systemic issues in society that some of these services have, you know, have developed, right? I mean, who would have thought that some stupid little podunk website that 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 connects people for extramarital hookups, you know, could eventually get to the point where a breach of their database could be, you know, a, a, 
you know, a, a blip on the radar of civilization. <laughs> <laughs> well, know? yeah, but think about this cross reference with the OPM data. Uh, well, exa- yes, exactly right. <laughs> exactly know? right. Uh, it's so I, you know, I, I think my my point there is that um, I don't. Uh, this certainly is is true with the OPM situation. I you know, I just don't think that most organizations really have a good appreciation for the significance of what they're trying to protect. Yeah, I would agree. So anyway, um, moving on from that one, I'm sure there'll be more to talk about in coming weeks with that one. Then the next story we have is from uh, McAfee and it's a, it's a report they released called the critical infrastructure readiness report. And um, it's a, it's not a very long report. It's eight pages long. And they had a couple of findings that I thought were interesting. So can I say, just before we get into those, the clip art pictures in this report were stellar. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean escalators as critical infrastructure, windmills as I'm, critical infrastructure. I, I'm with you. I completely agree. Fine, fine marketing team. Jet, jet engines as a mountain and a, and, a, and a lake. Yes, completely. In all, in all seriousness, I'm actually surprised they're still using the, the name... McAfee, because they were trying to get away from that and go with Intel Security. Well, when you read through here, they uh, half of the time they refer to it as Intel Security, and, ha- and some other times they refer to it as McAfee Labs. So hmm. I, I think they're in the transition. Um, but anyway, um, so so their first finding, uh, so the background here is they interviewed 625 the the technology and security person responsible for uh, 625 different critical infrastructure organizations. And those people had an average of 12 years of security experience. So that's the kind of the context. And they asked them a bunch of questions and it it feels kind of Ponemani to me. But um, anyway, uh, finding number one is a disconnect or overconfidence. Uh, So I'm just going to kind of read this because I think some some of these are, are interesting points. Even though major data breaches make regular headlines, many executives surveyed rated their organization's defenses good to excellent, possibly from overconfidence or misplaced faith in their capabilities to effectively respond to an attack based on Intel security threat reports. So, um, you know, I, this kind of reminds me of the, the whole deal about, you know, the 60 or, or 70% of people think they're above average drivers. <laughs> Well, I had another possible reason why this data is trending towards this. It's very possible, and I've seen it in my own life, that CISOs and CIOs may be reporting better situations upstairs uh, for political reasons. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if they're doing anybody a service when they do that. I, I think that happens quite quite often and you know it, it, there's a there's a a big disconnect a fundamental disconnect in here and because when you read through all of these findings you know basically it says oh you know things are getting worse and worse and worse but we're becoming more and more comfortable with ourselves right well you know all of those bad things are not happening to us or they're not going to happen to us they're ha- going to happen to all those other companies not yeah. us we're, we're good it, it reminds me of like trying to oh what's the word lie to an auditor to pass some sort of audit are you really doing yourself any favors 
You cannot be serious. People would not do that. But at the end of the day, are you doing yourself any favors? No. Well, I mean, in the short term, you are. <laughs> when, when your objective is to get through the end of the day. Right. Fair enough. Carry on. All right. So threats and confidence both are on the rise. This is finding number two. Uh, the compound annual growth rate of security incidents has increased 60%, 66% year over year since 2009. Uh, however, res- most respondents do not appear to correlate these increases with their own vulnerability. And the majority believe their organizations are less vulnerable to attack than they were three years ago. I got to think if you ask the you know, architects and engineers and the folks on the ground... Uh, they would not agree with that assessment at the same organization where their executives said they were in good shape in, in most in most situations. Uh, yep, yep. So um, finding number three, favorable to – these are these people are favorable to cooperation. More than three-quarters of the executives believe it is important to increase cooperation among organizations and with their own governments to counter cyber threats. U.S., U.K., and German companies were most supportive of this view. Those in France were not as convinced, assigning a low prior, lower priority to government cooperation. You know, and as we have seen that, uh, you know, apparently information sharing is the is the solution to all of our cyber ills. <laughs> so I'm very curious about this finding because I hear this a lot. And I hear this proposed a lot. I hear people talking about this. But does it actually work? Does it actually help anybody? Or is this the equivalent of an AV DAT file update with indicators of compromise, centralized through a government agency? Ay, ay, ay. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's the whole threat intel discussion at, a, yeah. at, an, at another level. I, I guess the implication is the government has you know, assets that we don't from surveillance and spying and that sort of stuff that could possibly bring to bear. But I got to be honest with you. I don't know that the government is going to effectively and aggressively share that information because they don't want to reveal their sources and methods. So, and given how bureaucratic and slow the government is, I don't know that I would go to a government agency to help me with this. I I don't have confidence in them. No, I, I, uh, you know, I, I have had some discussions with people like Bob, who are who are very well connected in this space, and there are a lot of concerns. And I always have to wonder about the motivations of such concerns uh, related to anti-competitive behavior. If you have different companies, you know, cooperating with each other, and uh, you know. I, now I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds like it sounds like um, an agenda, a ball of agenda-related crap to me. Uh, that's just me. That that's an interesting term. Yeah, there you go. So finding number four: serious cyber attack believed likely, despite high confidence in their own defenses. U.S. and French respondents, in particular, rate a serious cyber attack affecting critical services and causing loss of life as likely as highly likely. Within the next three years, respondents from the transportation and energy sectors were more likely than their counterparts in other sectors to deem the possibility of such an an attack likely or highly likely. Now, they don't say it, but implied is 
that's going to happen to other companies, not them. Right. Right. And this again is a forecast. It's you know somebody sticking their finger in the wind and. Yeah, but later down, and it's not necessarily tied to this one, but I think it's relevant. Uh, I'll start reading this. At the same time, more than 70% think cybersecurity threats to their organizations are escalating, while only 4% think they are in decline. Almost 9 out of 10 have experienced at least one attack on secure systems in their organization over the past year, with a median of close to 20 attacks per year. More than 59% of confirmed cyber attacks resulted in physical damage. More than 33% resulted in service disruption, and more than 25% resulted in data compromise. Wait a sec. None of that adds up in my mind. (laughs) 59% in physical destruction, but a lesser percentage in service disruption. Uh, Well, you know... I I question that stat. It does not pass the smell test. 59% destroyed physical equipment. But, but what is physical equipment? Is a is a hard drive, or is you know, this is where these surveys start to get a little wonky because, you know, what what is physical destruct destruction? Because I didn't trust my computer, I had to throw it away. Is that physical destruction, or is it that you know somebody hacked in and and into my uh, you know into my power phasing apparatus and they threw things off and my generator started to wobble and it tore itself apart but i had two other ones so you know uh, i had some damage but the service didn't go down so you know i don't know what where on the spectrum do i i think if 59 percent of the attack were the latter category we'd be hearing a lot more about that that's what i'm thinking too that's what i'm thinking too you know maybe it's drones i don't know implicit in this entire report is by mcafee well, clearly that would right. solve the problem. I mean, I mean, they're they're they're, they're uh, very very subtle about it compared to some folks, but that's ultimately the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, the the last finding was BYOD, a non-factor. Humans still the weakest link. Few executives believe that the proliferation of personal devices at work is a prime cause of cyber attacks, despite the priority assigned to bring your own devices device issues. Uh, by cybersecurity companies, respond yeah, basically, we think it's a priority, and so should you. Respondents believe user error, not software or device failure, is the leading cause of security breaches. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know how it. It seems like ferreting out those two things gets a little dicey. You know, yeah. Um, if if somebody clicks on the wrong link and they get infected, is that user error or is that, you know, a security problem with their endpoint? Or did the IT security industry overreach or overpredict mobile problems? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I I would tend to agree with that statement that that is not where the majority of problems are coming from right now, though. No, it, I don't think so either. So anyhow, that's uh, it's an interesting report. Uh, I think it, it it the thing it shows to me, by the way, is is the gap between perception and reality and that, that was why i wanted to talk about it fair enough uh all right our next story comes from ars technica and the title is obama administration decides not to blame china pub wait a minute they're not blaming china for the opm breach but it's interesting the way they're saying it they're saying we know it's china but we're not going to say it's china yeah 
Yeah, we're not we're not going to say it's China, even though we know it's China. Because if we say it's China, then they're going to know that we know that they did it because we are in their systems seeing the evidence of them doing it. And if we say that they did it, they'll know that we're there. But they already know we're there. So now everybody would know that we're there. And then they would charge our NSA people like we charge their people with, oh my God, this is a mess. No wonder they don't want to blame China. They had no problem with North Korea. That's See, that's that's the whole problem I have with this, this whole article is they have no problem shooting from the hip with anything else you know it's very odd it's very odd i i don't understand this article at all i don't know if this is just fud i don't know if this is reporter being stupid i don't know if this is intentional misinformation if this is the way the new cold war is being fought but this whole situation is a mess they don't want to name china because they don't want to disclose how they know it's china they didn't do any of that with North Korea, and we're happy to say we can't tell you, and that's it's, fine. Exactly. Exactly. So, so what's so different? Of, right. Okay. So let's attempt to take this at face value for just a moment, but I don't. Um, so what do they think? How, what are they afraid of? China's going to go. We don't believe you, and uh, and then what? <laughs> the rest of the world is we're going to lose face with like the world going well. U.S. accused China, but didn't prove any evidence. I, I, I don't understand what the downside is of the government coming out saying, well, we, we think it was China. Can't tell you how, but we think it was China. But, I mean, we... <laughs> Do they just... It, or is our relationship with China so important that we don't want to antagonize them? Or, or has something changed recently? Or is this all just a smokescreen? Yeah. Yeah, it really was Because Iran. the other thing that's infuriating to me about this article is, uh, but U.S. officials, quoting, but U.S. officials, including Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, have, quote, even expressed grudging admiration for the OPM hack, saying U.S. spy agencies would do the same against other governments, quote, she reported. If that is accurate, and, and she even draws this point, it basically says, you, effectively, you can hack our government databases, and there's no consequence. And this is fair game for foreign governments to come after our critical information if it's about government agencies. Yeah, but at the same time, I wonder what is what is the what is the benefit to blaming China? And I've always wondered this: whether it was blaming North Korea or Iran or you know what. What is the benefit? You know, I, I, I well, in, in theory, it's you know to put pressure on them to stop. Is it is uh, it is it to build consensus for you know furthering a political agenda? And now I know we're we're starting to delve into places I don't want to go, but right. Um, <laughs> we're also assuming perfect logic being applied to these decisions. True, well, yeah, which we know is not the case. So I don't know. Just a weird, weird, weird weird story and i don't know what to believe but something doesn't add up for me no i agree i agree um uh, you know but it's an important hack and you know if i were a victim of opm which actually i think i am i haven't gotten any confirmation on that but i i participated in somebody's background check and so i probably was in that database um 
I'm offended that they think, well, that's just the way the game is played. Nice job, Chicoms. No, that's just not not cool. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to what to think. I mean, it, everybody who spoke did so off the record and under right. you know uh, anonymity. So, you know, is it, part of me wonders is is this um, you know I, I don't know without without getting into the whole uh, conspiracy theory too much. You know, I I, I do wonder. If, how much of the you know the anonymous uh, disclosure of information to reporters by government officials is actually strategic and not you know certainly uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, not, no, not I, somebody I, trying to talk out of turn. <laughs> we know it happens. We've got plenty of proof of that happening over over many decades. Yeah, they planted disinformation all the time. And, you know, a reporter may very well go along with it for exclusive story next time. Sure. So I, I don't know. But it's a weird calculus in terms of the PR aspect of these situations. Once again, assuming that it even was China. Right. Right. But it, which which I think kind of goes back to, you know, we, we always make fun of the the attribution angle to these things, you know, it, because it's always either China or Iran or North Korea, or sometimes even Russia, if you're really unlucky. unlucky. So, uh, but sometimes it's actually the Italians, like in our next story. I always thought it was the Canadians. I was told to blame Canada when I was growing up. Well, that's because you lived in, in the Detroit area. And, mm-hmm. Yep. They were, they were the enemy. It's true. And we had to go over there and drink their beer when we were 18. So. Well, it, it was important. Otherwise, bad things would occur. And yep. It's like pushing the button on Lost. You know, the world would end if we didn't go drink our beer. <laughs> so, uh, so the the story here comes from the Trend Micro blog, and it is yet another hacking team story. Um, Which can I just say very quickly? Their PR efforts are stunning in the ineptitude. Oh, hacking team. Yes. Well, say a little more about that. Go ahead. They're coming. I don't know if things are getting lost in translation. I don't know if they just don't have a PR firm. I don't know if they're just that arrogant, but they're coming out completely, apparently unable to perceive how they are being perceived with all these tools. They they completely defend themselves uh, quite arrogantly. They they feel that they are the victim, and indeed they are. But their ability to justify their tools is failing badly. And I'm not saying that they they should have to, but in the PR battle that they should be fighting for the future of the company, I really think they're doing a bad job. And, and I'm not trying to beat up on them. I'm just saying that they seem to be digging deeper holes for themselves in every interview I read with their leadership. You know, everything the CEO says comes off as an arrogant ass as opposed to, uh, you know, a good business partner you'd want to work with. As, as they say, if you if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. So, but, you know, it, it could be uh, Italian to, to English translation issues. It could be all sorts of things. Uh, cultural, it's, yeah. It's cultural, sure. Hard, hard to say. Um, but anyway, the, the story here is uh, that a new, apparently a new piece of Android malware 
has surfaced in in the uh, ensuing breach, and uh, it's being called the most advanced piece of Android malware ever ever found, and it has, um, I would say, almost all of the capabilities you could really ever can you know possibly want. Things like being able to get screenshots, uh, you know, get copies of the clipboard, collect uh, passwords for Wi-Fi networks, and, and Skype passwords, and Facebook passwords, and Twitter passwords, and Google passwords, and WhatsApp passwords, you know, any any password that you would want to be able to surreptitiously record on the microphone and uh, on the front and back cameras to get location information. Uh, to get your SMS and you know, other instant messaging, and um, you know, monitor, capture in real time voice calls. Uh, you know, so, so basically, anything you could possibly do with the device that this piece of malware allows them you know, to to monitor on or monitor and and uh, you know, retrieve information, which I gotta believe is bad for the old bandwidth bill. <laughs> Probably. So you know, if you if you're if you're on LTE and you know you're you're doing a Skype call and you're also having a stream going off to. Anyway, I worry about things like that. Well, you know, you have teenagers. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> um, but apparently, the the way that they also found the way this was being delivered was through SMS and emails. As well as that, I think last week we talked a little bit about the the bogus uh, App Store app that they that they put together. But they uh, uh, they f- or Trend Micro here has evidence of them using two different CVEs, two different exploits or vulnerabilities to uh, to deliver the malware onto the phones. And you know the thing that struck me with this is uh, we we've talked in the past, been a long time since we've mentioned this, but Android is a very fragmented platform, right? It's a, it's a hugely fragmented platform. And often what happens, unless you're on like the, the Google brand phone, uh, you often don't have an upgrade path, you know, and it's very, it's, it's often somewhat rare that you get a, get major upgrades. And so this, these CVEs are from 2012. And I wonder, you know, how, how many phones are still vulnerable to those, um, so that, that may be why they're still using those. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not ripping on Android. It's just the, the, you know, I'm not pro iPhone versus Android. It's just the state of the, their ecosystem. Uh, I also wonder how bad are we at detecting this stuff? If, how often was this caught in the wild? How often did somebody notice? Wow. I didn't send that email. I didn't send that SMS. Right. Or great, great question. Know. And and in fact, how often was this used? I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be an interesting. It would be really interesting to find out if if uh, if there were you know, it, and if it were caught, would it have been detected as you know garden variety malware or, right, you know something horribly nefarious like this, <laughs> uh, or if they you know if, if someone realized that that it was. Um, you know, let, let's say it was your BYOD device and your organization re- realized that it was, uh, you know, the FBI monitering your phone. Would they, sh- right. would they shut up? I don't what know. Would they do? What would they do? 
and, and it goes to how often did they actually sell this, right? Maybe there was something incredibly expensive, and which makes sense because you don't want to burn these because uh, as soon as they're found, in theory, they start getting shut down. Right. But although this counters the earlier conversation we had of BYOD not being a big issue. Uh, this kind of stuff's pretty impactful if you could get it on an executive's phone. Yeah, yeah, but don't worry. Trend Micro has the solution for that. Of course they do. Of course they do. Uh, it's they got it's you, interesting. They got you covered. You know, I'd love someday for somebody like Hacking Team or somebody else in a similar business to disclose how often their zero days get burned in the wild. In other words, get found and, and reported and shut down versus just thrive. And you know how often they put them out there because I, I, I would argue we suck at detecting these, and we do a really bad job of, in essence, anomaly detection to find unknown, you know, zero days. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I do wonder if there is actually enough data to do some kind of an analysis like that. Depending on how back, how far back their email goes, you may very well be able to see. You know when they when they bought exploits in the past and how you know maybe how far how long it went until that exploit you know became public that would be an interesting uh, timeline mapped out to to see visually so you know if anybody's creative and looking for a you know a, a B sides talk there you go <laughs> interesting oh boy so um. Let's see. So we have one more topic for tonight, and I don't know if we can do it complete justice, but um, a couple weeks ago, and then we, we were going to talk about this last week, but we did not, there was a, there was some discussion about network segmentation. And so uh, uh, Dave Kennedy tweeted out, and I'm going to see if I can find the exact quote. That Are you sure you want to get into this topic? It's probably like a 20-minute discussion. Eh, probably not. All right. <laughs> Tell you what, let's do it next week. It'll be the first topic next week. All right. Good deal. I think it's a great topic. I, I just, I, I, we we need a lot of time, I think, on this one. I agree. Fair enough. And I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. I think dinner's ready. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now I see your motivation, mister. Well, you know, people, the the advice we give on the show is worth what they pay for it. True. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap for tonight. Thank you very much, uh, as always, for listening in and, and giving us uh, you know, 45 minutes or an hour of your time every week. We appreciate it, as always. And a special thank you to all those people who have donated to our Patreon account. And uh, one kind of probably one or two last reminders before the conference, the HTCIA conference, the High Tech Crime Investigation Association conference is being held on uh, August 30th through September 2nd in beautiful Orlando, Florida. I am intending to be there, have my reservations all set up, and I hope to see you there. And uh, you can find the show on the Internet at www.defensivesecurity.org where you will find links to the stories we've talked about tonight and uh, all of our back episodes. You can follow the show on Twitter at DefensiveSec. You can follow Mr. Callan on Twitter at Lurg. That's L-E-R-G. And you can follow me on Twitter at MaliciousLink. Hopefully you can figure that one out. And uh, with that, we will talk again next week where we will definitely be talking networks. Thanks, everybody. Have a great... See ya. Bye.
I think adding the outtakes was the second best decision you've made on this show. I can only imagine what the first is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> okay. So. And that that one's going out to our friends. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Radio Jerry, where he says, fuck you. Today is July 26th. (laughs) Try that again. And we're done. And we're done. It's a wrap. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.